We had a collaboration with some Chinese com uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. What we are very proud of now is that we penetrate the cabinets. Seriously, I'm, I'm making a serious point. I don't know what half of them are protesting against. We've still got Fauci walking around free. The man should be in irons in the darkest pit. As much as he touts that he cares about it, he doesn't. This is our revolution. It's not theirs. Don't let them take it from you. Don't let them convince you that it's their revolution when in fact it's not. It's ours. And we will have it. It is Thursday, the 13th day of October, the year of our Lord, 2022. I'm John Anderson alongside Bruce Adams. How are you today, Bruce? It's just the two of us. Just like old times. Uh, healthy and alive. Uh, yeah. A uh, little, little tired, but uh, doing good. Yourself? Not bad. Not bad. I'm starting to dislike the uh, the weather change, but hey, you know, it's the time of year. It's just the way it is. I haven't quite felt the effects of the energy shortage just yet because I was swimming in a pool underneath the sunset today. So I, a heated pool underneath the sunset. So I can't really complain too much just yet. Of course, a month from now, I might be singing a different tune. You never know. True. Yeah. True. And it's it's all... It's all Putin's fault, right? It, it's all it's all Putin's fault. Well, maybe it is. Maybe it is. We had an interesting conversation before we started about that. Maybe it is all his fault. I don't know. It's hard to say. But the evidence, uh, at least if you're looking at all sides of things, I mean, to me, it's, it's looking more and more clear that it's... Yeah, well, anyway. So uh, what would you like to get into today? Uh, we've got several different ways we can go. We can talk about the uh, the Ukraine and, and Putin thing and, and Zelensky's now begging for more money to the IMF this afternoon. Uh, we can talk about the economy, I guess, a little bit. We can talk about uh, the Pfizer thing that like the questionnaire, the Q&A that took place in the uh, European Parliament that we saw yesterday. Uh, we can play that audio and we can talk about the fact checkers in the media. We can talk about CRISPR 2.0. Yes, you heard me right. I wasn't stuttering. I wasn't making a mistake. They now have a successor to the CRISPR technology, and this one will do even more. So which way would you like to go? Or do you have something entirely different? Uh, I mean, I, I do have a couple things, but they're not, those are filler, less important, more my vein. Uh -huh. So um, I'm, I'm good to go with any of those. Honestly, the, we, we were kind of talking, let, let, let's start with um, COVID 2.0 before we go into COVID 2.0 um, or CRISPR 2.0? No, no. COVID 2.0. So Putin, COVID Ukraine. Putin. Oh, okay. Stuff. Yeah. Putin, Ukraine. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Where do you want to go? Do you want to start with the uh, the bridge explosion? What the FSB revealed today? Do you want to talk about the fortifications that they're doing? Which which way do you want? How do you want to approach it? it? I, we, I think maybe we should start with that and then kind of move into the the other, the other stuff because they, they all kind of blend together and it all kind of goes together. We talked yesterday a little bit about how Putin is playing a different kind of strategy. They're, they're running what's called a scissor strategy where they're and make no mistake, I'm, I'm not I'm not excluding China from here. Right. China's like the big elephant in the room that nobody seems to be mentioning. The German foreign minister, at least to her credit, I think a lot of people are not very happy with the German government at the moment, but at least to her credit came out today and said, you know what, we probably shouldn't be doing business with China. Well, yeah, yeah, it took you about 30 years, you know, just like the, the fools in the US took you about 30 years, but you're starting to see it, I think. I honestly don't think that's going to be a saving grace at this point because of the other compromised people that we have from the World Economic Forum. 
So I, I think it becomes a dead argument, and that goes to what I'm about to say. Putin is playing a scissor strategy on the West. They're controlling both sides of the agenda. The same thing with the communist Chinese. They're controlling both sides of the agenda. They've got the right compromised, or the quote, i.e. rhino conservatives, whatever you want to call them, neocons or whatever. They're all compromised. And so they're sitting there like, what'd you call them, Bruce? Traffic cones? Road cones? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah they're, they're, they're traffic cones. Yeah. Uh, basically, they, they, they just get in the way of the left, slow them down, divert them a bit. And but it doesn't actually stop the flow of the left. It doesn't actually stop the progression further left, further into Marxism. They just it's speed bump. That's a great analogy. I like it. So they've got them compromised. We know that they've got the left wing politicians across the Western world. We know that they're compromised. So they're running both sides of the agenda. It doesn't matter which side you take. So Putin's hope is to cut off the resources that Europeans have done a deal with over the course of the last three decades to now force those of us that are in the West that are unhappy with our governments to turn against them. But I don't think that's going to work. And let me explain why. They're operating or he's operating or, or people that are in his circles that are that are making these decisions. They're operating off of the assumption that these governments are still working for us. They're not. They haven't been. So if they're doing what they're doing to put pressure on us, to force us to overthrow our governments, well, that's not going to matter. That, that's not going to matter because the governments, it, I mean, it'd be one thing if the governments were working for us. That might be a strategy that would work. This isn't going to work. That's an old idea. It's the same thing with the conflict that's going on in Ukraine. The way that they're fighting, at least the Russians, the way that they're fighting their logistics and, and the, uh, the mobilization of their soldiers, it's still the old way. And I, I don't understand it. You would think that they would kind of get up to the, you know, to the, the modern era of things. But what I'm hearing from really reliable sources, the ones that are being called up aren't even getting training. They're just being handed an AK and some and some kit and say, here you go, get on the train. That's it. They're not getting training. They're not getting food. They're not getting blankets, sleeping gear, any of that stuff. What, what do you think that's going to do to troop morale? Now you've got the Russians that are fortifying. We were looking at some of the video that they released today. Uh, the contractors, uh, they look, at least to me, they like they're, di they're digging these trenches that are miles long. I mean, from aerial views, they are miles long. And they're filling them in with dragon's teeth, which those are the, the, the triangle looking things, uh, concrete pillars that go in there to that will immobilize any vehicle trying to cross. And if you yeah, ask they're, me, they're like tank barriers. Yeah, kind of, yeah, exactly that. If you ask me, that looks like it's the beginning, at least being a, a, a student of history myself, you know, being a novice in it, more or less. I'm not an expert or anything. I'm not a historian. But being an amateur historian, as I am in my own right, to me, it looks like it's a start of a new Iron Curtain of a type. I don't know for sure, but it looks to me like that's a, that's a barrier that's going up for miles and miles and miles across the countryside. Then comes the Crimean Bridge. What happened there? The FSB today, Russian security services, released x-rays of the truck that they say is responsible for the explosion. They say that they had 23 tons of high-yield explosives disguised as industrial plastic sheeting. And then, of course, there was an escalation in Kiev. There were missiles that hit there the next day. You know, it kind of makes you wonder, doesn't it? It kind of makes you wonder. I, I don't... I don't see and, and here's here's where I'm at on this because it's it's a real quandary. I don't see any good guys anywhere in any of this. That is the problem. The issue that we're running into 
and I hear it across talk radio all the time in the U.S. I hear people calling into like this podcast, that podcast, this radio show, that radio show, this TV show, whatever. Everybody's weighing in on this this conflict between Russia and Ukraine. Everybody seems to be taking a side. They have to have you take a side. It's just like COVID. You have to take a side. Can people not see it's the same agenda? It's the same script. You have to be in the dialectic. You have to be in one camp or the other. I'm not in either one of these camps. I, I'm not on the Russian side. I'm not on the West, uh, NATO, whatever the whatever these people are, are doing. I'm not on that side either. I'm looking at all angles of this. And by process of deduction, that's what I'm basing my assessment on. Just me. No one else's. Just me. I understand that the West has made some bad business dealings and investments and everything else in Ukraine and they're laundering money in there. I understand that. That's what all the receipts show. Most of these U.S. senators that are uh, passing all this, uh, th- these billions and billions and billions of dollars to send over there, they've all got bank accounts in that country. Every single one of those senators should be hauled in before a board of inquiry and asked, hey, you just voted on this. Do you have a bank account over there? But that's not happening. So I'm not excusing that kind of behavior. At the same time, I'm also not going to praise what Vladimir Putin has done going into Ukraine. He goes into another country, a supposed independent country, annexes territory, and somehow it's the West's fault. That, that's incredible to me. That, like that, That's amazing. I don't see any Ukrainian soldiers and, and troop movements inside of Russia, do you? I don't. Again, I'm not praising Vladimir Putin. I think what he did was wrong. But I'm not going to say Zelensky's an angel either. Again, no good guys in this. I'm not taking a side. I'm Switzerland on this deal. Of course, you can't even really say that anymore, can you? Because of COVID, they they actually forced the Swiss to break their neutrality. So you can't even say that anymore because of politics. It's, it's ridiculous. Now, Russia claims to have 100% proof that the United States blew up the Nord Stream pipeline. Yet when they took it to the United Nations, even China abstained and said, no, we don't want to get involved in that. Well, if you've got 100% irrefutable proof, doesn't the world need to see it? I would think so. Of course, the Swedes say that they have something too, but they're not saying anything. Why? So make your own mind up. Look at all of the players involved. Look at all the evidence involved and make up your own mind about what happened with Nord Stream, about what happened with the Crimean Bridge, about what happened with the bombing in Kiev. Here's the problem. Somebody or somebody's groups of people are escalating this. Somebody's escalating this. There is not one single voice on either side in this three-way dance of, of NATO, Ukraine, and Russia. There is not a single voice calling for de-escalation. Why? At any other point, when you have a conflict of this nature, when you're involving two nuclear superpowers, somebody has got to come to the table and say, hold on a minute. Everybody just calm down. Let's sit down and let's figure this out. Nobody's doing that. Why not? Then you've got this problem with the markets. We can get into the market thing. I don't want to do that yet, but it it goes. I'm pretty sure this goes to to that point as well. You can tie all that in. But that's that's my take. All right. Maybe I missed a couple of points because we were discussing quite a bit in prep before we started. But that's my take. And I'm just going to leave that one. I mean, I've got my own opinions. I've got my own beliefs. But myself, based on history that I understand, based on of my own studies, based on how things are working here in the West. Again, I see no good guys in this, but everything that I've seen up to this point proves to me that what we're seeing isn't what we're actually seeing, just like COVID, just like the election, right? What we're seeing isn't what we're actually seeing. Yeah. When it comes to the whole Russia, Ukraine, uh, the bombing, it seems awful suspect. That, um, 
I, I, I do want to say right off the bat that um, I, I agree. There is no good guys when it comes to the Russia-Ukraine situation. And that includes the West being involved in shipping over weapons and whatnot uh, to Ukraine. Nobody's a good guy in this scenario. The problem is, is uh, if this if this were a similar scenario, if we took the same scenario and and placed it on America, right? So uh, we we kind of talked about this in in prep. If China was doing something like uh, I, I don't know, um, um, sending over opioids into Mexico and was constantly getting involved in Mexico and and pointing a gun at us and and taunting us and you know we already had bad blood with China and we just got done with the you know the Cold War and everything with China. Uh, if they were doing that to us, then as an American, I'd be like, yeah, we should be in Mexico, like cleaning that up, getting China out of there because that, that's a problem. So I can sympathize with the average Russian that that says, yeah, we should we should clean that up or even just coming from that perspective. I can sympathize. But at the same time, the the, the atrocities that have happened, by the way. I didn't mention this one to you and, and it just it just triggered. You remember the video we were watching of that that walkway that they they the, the Russians tried to hit? Yes. Um, I seen a, a, a Google map view of that location. Do you know uh -huh. what was not 30 feet from there? What building was that? The uh, the German consulate. It's an EU building. Yeah, there, there's an EU. It's like consulate or, or yeah, the glass embassy building, or yeah. whatever, something uh -huh. like that. Yeah. The building was literally just 30 feet away. I don't think they were trying to hit that bridge. No, they were sending a message. They yeah, were okay. they were shooting over there and saying, oh, we know we're you know, we're not afraid to hit this target. Oh, I, uh, I, I think that's what it was now that I in hindsight. So part of me is is can sympathize. But at the same time, I'm running into the issue of. Uh, Putin looks like he's a Klaus Schwab lackey, or at least kind of has the same uh, ideas of grandeur. Uh, so I, I, I don't trust his motives or intentions. Going with the what the FSB was doing with the the whole X-ray of the the truck and everything. First of all, what the hell are you doing with X-rays? X-rays are damaging to when you're exposed to repeated quantities of it. So like if you go into like a hospital and get an X-ray, that you know that that's fine. It's not. You're within safe, tolerable limits. You're still wearing when a lead keep, vest when you're getting an X-ray yeah, in a hospital. Yeah, right. But if you if you're being constantly bombarded, it can cause damage to uh, you know your your genetic code and and can cause cancer. Why the hell do they have X-ray cameras X-raying these uh, vehicles out in public regularly when those X-rays can bounce around and whatnot? Maybe maybe they're just not strong enough to really go far or. I don't know, but it's strong enough to to see through the side of that truck and to to see the uh, containers that were inside the truck. So uh, I'm I'm left skeptical. But they have that. They said there was however many tons of explosives on that vehicle. Why didn't you do something about that before it got to the bridge? Why did if you if you knew that? Why did it get through the checkpoint? If you knew that was there beforehand, or is this a, in hindsight, you know, we, we did scan the truck. We just thought it was plastic or whatever, industrial plastic. So we let them through. Now in hindsight, it looks like they had 26 tons of explosives. If that's the case, okay, that you're, you're going over data that you collected first, you were, uh, duped, bamboozled, uh, you were tricked. Okay. In that scenario, you're, you're admitting fault and saying, you know, this is uh, what it looks like. Okay. As as but still, 
you should have known you you should have known that you should have noticed that we have sensors and detectors that can detect explosives traces of explosives and whatnot you should have been able to detect that so that leaves me a little skeptical uh when we have our own fsb or or, or kgb or also known as the fbi and uh, cia the, doing the uh domestic operations like the uh gretchen witchmer uh excuse me um not not witchmer but um whitmer uh yeah, that was intentional. The the kidnapping of her or the attempted kidnapping, the January 6th, uh, how many federal agents were involved there here in the U.S.? I can't help but think the FSB was involved in uh, that bombing in some way. At the very least, it could have been like a, they may not have been directly involved in the sense of providing uh, resources or or even doing it themselves. It could have just been something as simple as. There's a, a terrorist group or a, a group that's tied with Ukraine. We know they're there. We we're watching the cell. We're monitoring them. We're, we're just going to let this attack happen because it's politically advantageous for us. It, it could have been something as simple as that of, of just inaction, uh, which we've seen happen multiple times here in the U.S. The uh, Uvalde shooting, as an example, they were watching that kid since 2019, and then they stopped watching him. And the shooting happened. That is just as much FBI involvement as um, in, in any of the other uh, incidents we've seen. So, uh, and in this example with the FBI thing, now they're trying to take our firearms, saying they're coming after assault weapons. It's just politically advantageous. So, yeah, could be a political move. They needed the the rhetoric and everything with the pipeline. They needed the rhetoric with the bombing to say, see, look, Ukraine's attacking us. See, look, the West is attacking us. We have to do more and greater things and yeah. push. And it all has to be that, redirected back onto the West. Yeah, with the um, thing you're talking about with the uh, taking uh, the information to the UN saying, oh, it was the US that did the, the bombing or, or the, uh, the pipeline bombing. Um, see, it was them. That fits exactly with what we're talking about. It, it, even China was like, nah. No, nah, this isn't that should be telling uh, to the rest of us that this is all this is all just a game. They're 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 playing us for fools yet again, just like governments do. And you notice that, again, as you said, China, that they're not going to take any stance right now because Xi is busy trying to secure himself for lifelong dictatorship. So he can't be seen on the world stage as taking any kind of a of a of a 100 percent guaranteed stance. So right. China also wants to make moves in the east they want taiwan they want it now they want it yesterday and so the war that's going on in ukraine that by the way beijing is paying for that is actually not going as well for the russians as hoped see china needs russia it's not a matter of well we'll take them if if we need them no they need russia if they're going to take on the us and its allies they have to have because the japanese Oh boy, the Japanese. The Japanese, they're not on the side of the Chinese or the Russians, either one of them. They're on our side and they're not going to move. So they need the Russians and they need the Russian fleet if they're going to challenge the US and its allies in the Pacific. They've got to have it. And it's not going well for the Russians. And that's not good. That's that's not good for China. At the same time, you've got the West now that are saying, you know, because of the political agenda, they're driving the two together, aren't they? They are. And yeah. I, I just want to point out real quick that it's interesting talking about Japan being uh, against China and, and Russia. For those that aren't aware of history, just looking at it on the surface, they're siding with the allies who nuked them not once, but twice over people that are closer to them. 
geographically. That's pretty telling, I have to say. That's that's pretty telling. Yeah. The same thing with the Germans. They're they're allied with us. Uh, that's that's another thing. Is is yeah. that right there? The Russians, Putin especially, they they want to break Germany with the U.S. And that alliance, they want to break that. And they want the U.S. out of Germany. Now, I can't say that I disagree with that to an extent. But if that's the case, then Germany needs to be independent. It needs to be completely independent. It doesn't need to be dependent on Russia, which Russia is not even. Th- this is the this is the biggest misconception that a lot of people have. Russia is not, you know, and this is not a poke at the Russian people. Not in the slightest. Russia is not a Western culture. It never has been. This is what a lot of people are confused about. A lot of people think when they hear Vladimir Putin come out and say, well, uh, the West is satanic, not the people. Yet you've got groups of people that are, of course, of course, that you've got the leadership that have gone insane. Yes. But when he says that, he's not wrong, but he's appealing to those of us that are not subscribed to that ideology, that are not subscribed to that woke nonsense. But you don't understand the manipulators from Russia, from China, implanted that here in the first place to destabilize us, to demoralize us. And if you don't believe that, go back and listen to ideological subversion. Yuri Bezmenov, he specifically says, you don't get it. We are the ones that created that. We planted the seeds of demoralization. You're stuck with it. So now we have to spend two or three or even four generations to try and rid ourselves of it, to turn the tide. It's a scissor strategy. Again, they've got both ends of the agenda. So now it plays to the economy. Now you've got the economy. What what did I say? How long ago? It's been a couple of years now. Because of COVID, they kind of got a little bit of a, quote, reprieve, right, to dump some more cash into the system. But now the problem is, is that the system is... Well, there's too much cash in the system and it's literally it's hemorrhaging everywhere. The stress is like it's just not going to be able to cope with it. And what did I say? I said this party is over. The party's over. And no one seems to want to admit it yet. Go ahead, Bruce. Before I I'll get this clip queued up. Go ahead. Uh, I uh, just want to throw in since we're kind of coming off the Ukraine Russia thing. I kind of think that that's partly why they're pushing the Russia Ukraine thing because when you look at yeah. the bills that the US has passed lately with the spending bills and whatnot, they've sent a lot of money over to Ukraine and that's one of the ways to burn off cash when there's inflation. Exactly. And not to mention, not to mention, I also think that they're using it at the same time to escalate to give themselves a cover. They have to have the escalation. Like I said, the financial networks are a disgrace. They're not asking any questions on these financial networks. Not at all. Jamie Dimon, the CEO of uh, JP Morgan, just said the other day, uh, we're facing a, a financial crisis the likes of which we haven't seen in almost 100 years. And CNBC doesn't even ask a follow-up question when he says that. The CEO of JP Morgan says that? They don't even ask a follow-up? You are a disgrace as a network. You turn on Bloomberg. I, I mean, I've been I've been watching Bloomberg here because I've been keeping an eye on the markets the last couple of weeks because of what we were talking about privately. All they've been hammering is Russia, Putin, Ukraine, Russia, Putin, Ukraine on a financial network. They want the escalation. They're not talking about the things that people need to hear about. They're not talking about inflation. They're not talking about how you're going to make ends meet when you're sitting around the kitchen table trying to figure out how you're going to put food on the table for your family. They're not talking about that. Americans and Westerners in general, the Germans, the French, the English, the Dutch, the Italians, the Canadians, we want answers, damn it. And more than that, more than that, I, I don't I don't just want answers. I want results. 
I, I want results on the other side of this, because unfortunately, unfortunately, there's no way to salvage this. There's no even if they, they kick the can, it doesn't matter. They kick the can. We got 10 years. That's it. And then we are done. We're done. Even if we kick it 10 years, we're done. And that even kicking it 10 years, that is that is going to the extreme in circumstances. I don't think the system is going to be able to hold itself together now, let alone how they're going to kick it 10 years. But I want results. And when I say I want results, I want the bastards that have done this. I want them out of business. I want their families and their family fortunes that they have stolen out of business. You want to talk about reparations to the American people? You want to talk about reparations? How about we reparate the central banking cartel and you give back all the money you've stolen from us over the last 110 years? How about that? We'll start there with reparations and then we'll see where it goes from there. They don't have the money any longer. No, they don't have the cash. To do that. Yeah. You know, the inflation. Uh, let me just ask the question. Why do you think there's inflation? Well, Joe is Biden it, said is it, was it because, because of Putin. Right, right. It's Putin. Right. It's not because of something that people did, is it? I mean, we're all suffering under inflation. We're seeing price hikes and everything. So clearly, I mean, it must be our fault, right? Because we're the ones suffering at the same time, you know? No, it's it's government spending. That's the problem. That's where inflation comes from, is government. Uh, again, my, my, my shtick. Government's bad, okay? I just want to remind you that when there's inflation like this, that's where it comes from. Now, see, again, Bruce, I think you're confused because Joe Biden said this. We got a long way to go because of inflation, because of the, I call it the Putin tax increase. Putin, because of gasoline and all that grain he's keeping from being able to get to the market. You see, it's the, it's the Putin tax increase. It's the, uh, it's, it's the Putin gasoline increase. It's because he's, he's hoarding all that grain. Mm. The grain that usually goes to Africa. Mm. Yeah, same thing with Ukraine. The people they've been calling it the breadbasket of Europe. That's not true. A majority of mm. their grain. And I, when I say a majority, I'm talking 80, 90 percent of it doesn't even go to Europe. Yeah. But I mean, it, it, it it's hurting the prices in Europe. That, see, you, you're, you're missing the point here. Um, this I is, must be. This is causing. Yeah. Yeah. This is causing inflation around the world because of. This, this war with Russia and Ukraine, which is more like a civil war than anything. But because of our involvement as the West, uh, we're risking turning this into a, a World War Three scenario. Uh, in fact, we, we, we've kind of, uh, I think we've passively mentioned this before, and I'll, I'll, I'll in passing mention it again. We have the government buying up anti-radiation meds. Uh, they're, they're running ads. We talked about this in like New York have posters up and all of that, uh, basically fear-mongering, scaring people that we're in another cold war with Russia, basically, which is, it's a cold, hot war, sort of. So, like, there's the threat of nuclear war, but at the same time, we actually have literal troops in Ukraine. Uh, and when I say that, they're not technically military. Technically, they're contractors, so they're military. Um, they're, they're in Ukraine fighting which uh, I thought we weren't supposed to be doing that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah. So the markets are flat, more or less. Ever since October 4th, right? We had to rally going into October 4th, and we did. We almost hit uh, 31,000. We were close. We were only a few hundred points off. I'd say that's close enough. We were 10 points off on the S&P 500 as to what was expected. We had to have that rally, and we saw it. Since then, the markets have been down every day. Every single day, they've been down. 
as predicted, as we expected. What happens now? As I said, this party's over. I think they're waiting for the midterms. I don't know how they're going to be able to do this, but I think they're trying to stave off this financial disaster. As I said, Jamie Dimon was on CNBC the other day saying we're we're facing a, a monumental market turmoil that's on its way. And they don't even bother. Like they just skip to the next question. You, you, you don't even you don't even ask. It's, it's incredible. Today, according to a report by Allianz, Allianz is a is a very large uh, German insurance company uh, and a German bank. Uh, and this is what one of their spokesmen said on their own podcast just today. Take a listen. Tell us more about that then. So what do you expect to happen now that inflation is on the rise and, you know, the Fed, the ECB and other central banks are hiking interest rates? Yeah, very simply put, the party is over because we have already experiences this year where we can see that equity markets corrected more than 20% since the start of the Ukrainian war. And this will probably or very likely continue in the next months or even the next year. So, and we already see that this has an impact on the financial assets of private households. Households will feel the pinch. And according to our calculations, we expect that this year, for example, on the global level, Again, we will see some nominal declines of around 2% to 3%. And I mean, it sounds not too much because on the other hand, I mean, inflation is also lifting up bank deposit because these are nominal assets. But if you just include also the, the real development, the, the purchasing power, the loss of purchasing power. So we're going to have a loss. He said there at the end, uh, he said, we're going to have a loss of purchasing power, meaning your money is not going to buy jack squat. That's what that means. You're going to have to have piles of cash to buy something because it's not going to go as far. You're going to see more inflation is what he's saying. But uh, remember, we were the tinfoil hat crazy people because we said years ago, this party's over. They're now saying it. They're saying it publicly. And there's no follow-ups. There's no follow-ups. It's like, this is... This is not even happening. This is not existing. You know, the German bond market, you know, that collapsed yesterday. And that's not even discussed. I don't see how. I, I don't see how they can stretch this to the midterms because, you you know, Bruce, that's what they're holding off for. And and you say it's it's because they're trying to garner favor, but there's no favor to garner. They're losing seats, as in like we're talking blue strongholds on the on the East Coast and hell and Oregon. I heard Oregon is in play today. I mean, that's going to be a tough one to win back at the state house. Yep. But even so, these are like Connecticut. Six seats are on the chopping block in Connecticut. Rhode Island, they're about to lose it. Like this is yeah, the they're trying to garner fa- for what? For what? And while you're doing that, I'm going to pull Jake Tapper and Biden in the interview on CNN where he's talking about the consequences for Congress. Biden's talking about the consequences for Congress, basically saying that he's going to cut uh, shipments, arm shipments to the Saudis because they're not producing enough oil before the midterms. But go ahead. Talking about the markets and how they're they're they are dropping, but they're more or less stagnant. Right. You can't have a truly stagnant market. It's either going to be rising or falling. There's not really a stagnant market in that sense. Uh, but as soon as it, it's slowly rates. falling. As soon as as soon as the Fed comes out and says, because they're not going to be able to to avoid it, they're going to have to. When they start saying we're going to raise interest rates, when they raise interest rates, buddy, this is over. This yeah. is over. The, the the thing is, is the American people, they would be I, I think there would be more of an outrage uh, if this were 50, 60 years ago. And, and the reason I say that is going back 50, 60 years uh, there they didn't have the disposable capital 
that we do now. I don't, I don't think people realize trillions of dollars, literal trillions of dollars have been lost in the American peoples from their wallets. Uh, when you, when you, uh, what, what was it like? $8,000 roughly per uh, household or so was lost. You're, you're in the vicinity of like $2 trillion that were lost just on that alone. We're not talking about just your other, you know, your pensions or any of those kind of things. It's just from your purchasing power uh, because of inflation. When you start adding in gas prices, the prices for food and everything as well, uh, we're talking, uh, you know, six plus trillion dollars that have been lost in, in the American household. And it's not done yet. That, that, that's the, the, the scary part in all of this. We've been able to uh, take it on the chin pretty well now because, you know, like I said, the American people, they have disposable capital. We're more prosperous now than we have been in previous times. But because of our government, again, because of their no control at all when it comes to spending, uh, we're, we're in this position. We're in this place. And as you were saying with the election stuff, uh, keeping keeping the markets uh, stable or or at least slowly declining and not crashing, I I, I think they're probably going to play it till they have a month. They have to keep this going for a month, uh, and then uh, you'll you'll have we'll be through the election stuff, and by then they can let the markets go and collapse because you know they, they they've pulled all all the triggers they can pull. They they have no more bullets left. the 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 last bullet they have left that we've talked about was. Uh, the Fed buying up the stock market, basically. Um, yeah. that, that's all they have left. Um, but it's not going to garner them any favor. They're losing, as we, as you were saying. Uh, Rhode Island, I think, is, the, the poll. And public opinion is changing on the Fed as well. Yes. Uh, and well, and, and the, the idea that the IRS is hiring 87,000 more people. Yes. That, that, that's going around and people are seeing that and they're like, wait a minute, why, why are you hiring? Oh, it's to go after the rich and wealthy. Well, when you look at the statistics, you're not going after rich and wealthy. You're going after those of us that can't pay uh, the, the fees and the fines and everything that are involved with lawsuits. To, to They're going after us. The, the Rhode Island case, the Republican there is keep in mind Rhode Island has like 40 times more uh it's 40 times or 26 times I mean it's a large number of Democrats that are registered there versus Republicans much bigger uh Democrat voter uh, base there and the Republican candidate is up above the margin of error so you know four or five percent that's a big deal in a in a blue state like that now is this Republican a a uh, constitutional conservative. I don't know. I don't know anything about this. Uh, probably not. They're probably more on in, in line with a, a rhino being as it's a blue state. Nonetheless, the Democratic Party themselves are, we've seen Tulsi Gabbard here recently. She flipped sides. Now, this, that could be to a greater game, potentially, but because uh, she has ties with the World Economic Forum. So there could be some game there uh, that, that's being played. She's, but she's attempting to pull Democrats from the Democrat Party uh, into the independents. It's it's possible there's a lot of people that are becoming uh, disenfranchised on the Democratic Party side. Obviously, that's that's pretty obvious, and there will be a red wave. And at this point, it's not even a question of will it or won't it happen. Now the question is, it's going to happen, but how big? But as a gun shy constitutional conservative that has, as I said before, seen Republicans repeatedly fail us. 
is anything really going to happen if there is a red wave, a red tsunami? You could have immense gains. They could have a supermajority and pass anything they want and uh, out veto the president's veto, which I think you require like a 75, 80% majority to, to be able to do that. It, it's pretty big. Do I think they'll do anything under that scenario? Yeah, I actually, I, I think they'll affirm um, gay marriage as a constitutional right. I think they will okay the tranny madness. I think they'll okay the, the surgeries and that. That's what I think the Republicans will end up doing. I, I think they'll just be Democrat light. I'm not going to argue with you on that because it just makes sense. At, at the times that we're living in, it, it just makes sense. Uh, this is Biden saying, look, you don't need to worry about a, a recession. No, there's just there's a there's a slight chance, ever so slight, slight chance we'll see one. The American people prepare for a recession. No, look, they've been saying this now how uh, every every six months they say this every six months. They look down the next six months and see what's going to happen. It hadn't happened yet. It hadn't been, there, there has there is no there's no guarantee that they're going to be. I don't think there will be a recession. If it is, it'll be a very slight recession. That is, we'll move down slightly. You see, so he believes there is a recession, but mm. ever so slightly. Yeah, it'll it'll move down mm. slightly, but you don't have to worry about a recession because there is no recession. Look, people have been saying this every six months and, and it hasn't happened yet. But if we have one, there's going to be a slight one. So which is it? We're not going to have one or we are going to have one. Yes. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yes. We we almost hit thirty one thousand. Um, yeah, I, I, I kind of think the market is a little bit um, off there. It's a it's a little little high. When you look at what the markets were doing in like 2000, 2001 compared to now, yeah, the markets are a little overblown. They're a little, we haven't seen, we, we haven't had that increase of manufacturing or any of those kind of things. Nothing uh, actually physically has changed in the US in terms of production and, and making products to, to facilitate an actual growth like this in our economy. This is all just smoke and mirrors. This is all just, a fiat currency at this point there it's it's fake it's false it's lies and those lies that that house of cards if you will it's about to tumble the analogy you've used before with them plastering up the walls over the cracks and in the foundation man the 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 foundation's been it's been rumbling and and twitching now it's on the verge of collapsing and like i said the <laughs> They're, they're just trying to hold on for the next month to keep it from collapsing. They're, they're throwing as much bubble gum and, and spit that they can get on the, the thing to hold it together. And it's about to collapse. And it, the more they do that, the more they throw money at this, the worse it's going to be. The big tell, the big tell should have been when the Bank of England announced that they were going to unlimited QE. When they announced that on the bond market, that should have been the big tell. They've done this three. They've intervened three times now to keep their market from crashing. Do you understand what's going to happen across the United Kingdom when that finally goes, when they raise interest rates and that breaks in half? Do you understand what's going to happen across the United Kingdom? You're talking about 60 or more percent of UK households are going to lose their pensions overnight. That's how serious this is. We're, we're looking at a, a 1929 to 1932 style collapse. That's what we're looking at. Oh, by the way, the people that say that the 29 collapse is what caused the depression, that's not what caused the depression. That's not how it worked. What happened was the guys like Rockefeller, 
guys like J.P. Morgan, you know, the, the robber barons for the time, those guys, the big oil tycoons, the trust companies that they ran their money through, that kind of stuff, their, their foundations. Yeah, they pulled all of their money out of the market and told everybody else to stay in. Bruce, what's Bill Gates doing right now? Uh, exactly that. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, and we just had the president saying... There's not going to be a recession. Of course no, not. No, no, no recession. No. And yeah. wouldn't you know, wouldn't you know, OPEC just announced a two million barrel a day cut, which we could easily make up if we decided that we were going to explore our own and do something crazy and radical like, oh, I don't know, the Keystone Pipeline. I don't know. If we decided we were going to do that, we could easily say, all right, you don't want to make two million barrels a day. Go kick rocks. Go go pound sand, whatever. You got plenty of it over there. We'll take care of it ourselves. We'll take care of the Europeans ourselves. We don't need to do that. We can supply everything that the Americans need, everything the Canadians need. Hell, the Canadians have their own oil. We can supply the Japanese and the whole of the European Union and laugh at the rest of these people. It's unbelievable. But see, he didn't meet with the Saudis over oil. He met over something else. But see, it's not his fault. It's that damn Congress. There's going to be consequences. He's, he's telling you there's going to be consequences when they get back. But, but we should. We should. And I am uh, in the process when the, when the uh, uh, this House and Senate gets back. They're going to have to uh, there's going to be some consequences for what they've done with Russia. What kind of consequences? Menendez says suspend all arms sales. Is that something you'd consider? I'm not going to get into what I'd consider and what I have in mind, but there will be there will be consequences. Yeah, see, there's going to be consequences. Yeah, uh, we're we're not going to we're we're not going to deal in the the human trafficking anymore. With oh wait, did I say that out loud? Sorry, uh, the Bidens are squeaky clean. They they wouldn't do anything. Yeah, we're like not that. Gonna, we're not going to do any more arms deals to to Saudi Arabia to to fight. Uh, the Houthi rebels that are being funded by Yemen and Iran in the south of the country. No, we're not going to do that anymore. So that's going to create more turmoil down there. Uh, yeah. So that no, no oil, no arms. Uh, well, uh, but see that damn Congress. We're gonna, we're gonna. There's going to be consequences for for doing that deal. That's that's going to benefit Russia. And oh, by the way, I forgot to mention this is breaking from this afternoon. I forgot to mention this. You see, there's another pipeline that runs from Russia down through Poland and into Germany. And wouldn't you know, uh, there's some leaks in it. Wouldn't you know? They're, and they're going to have to take it offline indefinitely. Wouldn't you know? It's a good thing the Russians huh. found those. It's a good thing they found yeah. those. Yeah. 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 The, the environmental damage that could cause. Yes, yeah. Absolutely. They found it. Yeah. You know, the. When it comes to the oil and and I'm actually I'm frustrated with this one, not because of the federal government, not because of what they're doing and not issuing the the new uh, licenses and everything and the, the the contract leasing and all of that. That that that's not what I'm frustrated by, or or the closing down of the pipeline or any of that. What I'm frustrated by is these governors of those states not stepping up and going, you know what, f you, Fed, we don't care, we're doing this, we're doing this deal anyway. And going ahead and, and going through with the, the pipeline or going ahead and, and saying, you know what, the federal government, the, the, the Supreme Court has ruled multiple times over that federal land in states belongs to the state. You know what, we're going to issue those licenses, those leases, those contracts with oil companies. I think they can go and, and mine and drill uh, on, on our land. That's what I would have liked the governors to have done. But again... A lot of these states are red states, and though some of them have been good in some areas, when it comes to this oil and gas and, and our own self-sufficiency when it comes to uh, energy, they're failing miserably. I, I would love to have uh, all the red states have 
even half the testicular fortitude that Ron DeSantis does and start standing up against the federal government and going back to the federal system and saying, you know what, Fed, you don't actually have authority or power over this stuff. We're doing our own thing. And you don't like it. Talk to our National Guard. You can you can you can discuss it with them. Otherwise, get the hell out of our state while we do this. And that's what I want to start seeing is, is states start standing up and uh, doing all this on their own, becoming self-sufficient, acting like they're their own country under the Constitution, of course. Interesting point there. I think in order to do that, you're going to need because the governors can't do that. I mean, they could, I guess, by executive order, but all it would take would be a simple election and then flip and then boom, it's off. So you would have to go through the actual process. So you'd need control of the state houses. And so therefore, you'd look to the senators and the congressmen or representatives of that state. And also, I think you would need the attorney generals to be on board with it as well. Now, we did see, to their credit, we did see attorney generals from many of those states that Keystone was going to pass through, they did band together and say, look, we're going to make sure this happens, but it never went anywhere. It was just more traffic cones, if you will. They, they just said, OK, yeah, we're going to do this. We're all going to stick together and we're going to tell Washington and those people over there to stuff it. And that's all it was. It was just hot air. It, yeah. it was just a bunch of letterheads that went air. out. Look at my look at my state of Oklahoma. Uh, you look at the, oil the House and oil state Senate. Yeah, the the con the state's Senate and uh, Congress and everything like our uh, legislative branch, it's made up of about 80 some percent Republicans. And we couldn't it, we, we, we've got the governor who's been fairly good on other issues. And then we've got uh, a great AG. And what did they do? What have they done to do exactly what we're talking? They could have passed some kind of bill or something in oil state, as you said, to, to go in and do this ourselves and at least make ourselves self-sufficient on uh, on that and provide and to other states near us. And you've got refineries. You've already got the refineries. Ohio, where I come from, we've got refineries. Oh, well, except for that one in, in Toledo that just blew up last week that produces about 200,000 barrels a day for all the Midwest states. And they also make the ingredients for asphalt production and infrastructure improvements. It just blew up. Nobody knows how or why. It just, you know, those spontaneous explosions, you know, they, they just happen. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like they, those they food have a lot processing of, plants. Yeah, they just they've all just blown up like that. Uh, uh, yeah, that's yeah. yeah. Well, it, it's it's because of climate change, and it you know right. they have all those volatile chemicals there, and it's been so hot and dry, they right. just spontaneously combusted because of that. Mm -hmm. Right, uh, Toledo actually on the lake up there, um, where they have more than like pretty much an unlimited supply of water to you know for a cooling operation mm. in that plant. Yeah, I've actually I've been to that plant before. Uh, I know people that have helped build that plant, and it's not that old. It's maybe 10, 15 years old. So, yeah. Hmm. Strange. It, it, again, that's odd how that happens. You know, it's just it, you, you never can be too careful. Anyhow, do you have anything else today? We can kick out of here a few minutes early if you don't. Uh, actually, I, I did have one that was kind of this made international news, and it was kind of a, a big deal. Uh, you remember that that asteroid that we smashed into the that that uh, yes. dart program that we had? Yes. Um, so they ended up smashing into it. Um, I believe it was the vapor trail from that was something like um, uh, six. I think it was like six uh, thousand miles per hour slower than the asteroid itself, or something like that. So they have done the the observations on this asteroid that they impacted successful uh, impact. Um, the 
uh, I believe the craft was moving at 14,000 miles per hour when it hit the asteroid. Uh, the asteroid was more than 7 million miles away from Earth and weighed about 5 billion kilograms. Uh, they smashed into it and it actually diverted the asteroid's orbital path by 30, uh, what was it, 32 minutes. Um, they were saying, they, so they said if it moved it 70 seconds, it was a success. This was a resounding success for 32 minutes. Hang on a minute. Um, Hang on a minute. So not not only were they able to actually smash into something, you're you're actually saying that NASA did something right. NASA did something right. Yes, um, and and smashed into it. Well, you got to keep in mind they're 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 adhering to uh, archaic ways of thinking, like using mathematics and and whatnot. So right. it it, it yeah. proved that archaic way of thinking is actually still viable. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they, they smashed into it. It was a big deal. You know, the, the entire, this is kind of like, I know it's kind of like a movie script, you know, what was the one movie where they tried to blow up an asteroid with nukes or whatever it was? Armageddon. Armageddon. Yeah. Um, there was another one. They movie. Did. I, yeah, there was, there was another one they made. Uh, can't remember exactly what it was. It was Armageddon. And then there was, there was a different one, uh, but I can't remember what it was, but anyway, go ahead. Uh, and, and, and anyway, in, in, in any case, they, this was just a kinetic impact uh and and just smashed into it and i think I, I don't know that they tell you the weight of what the what the um craft was but i'm pretty sure it was about the size of a refrigerator or maybe a minivan at was, most how big was the asteroid it was five billion kilograms in weight so uh, i mean having a refrigerator smash into it doesn't seem like it would do a whole lot <laughs> it doesn't seem like it would do a whole lot on the surface but you have a refrigerator uh, moving at 14,000 miles per hour. Is that all? Impacting it. Uh, yeah, that, 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 that's all. Um, and the other thing is, is even though the, the asteroid may have been 5 billion kilograms, it, it, uh, they tend to be brittle depending on the makeup of it. If it's just rock and not like iron and some other materials, uh, it, yeah. it's fairly brittle and, and can be broken fairly, uh, fairly easily comparatively. So like if it hit the Earth's atmosphere, as an example, and didn't have iron in the in the asteroid, it would basically yeah, explode up. in our atmosphere. Yeah, yeah. It, would, it would break up. Um, so anyway, I just thought that was a that was a fun. This is actually kind of a good news in the in the in the tech world, space world, astronomy. If we ever have a killer asteroid coming at us, we now know we can divert it by at least 32 minutes in the um, orbit. And that that could be enough to deflect it away from us and, and save the planet. And all we have to do in order to do that is put all of our faith, trust, and credit into the government. Yeah, that's the problem. That is the problem. We're going to go ahead and jump out of here. Thank you for being here today, Bruce. I will see you tomorrow. Unfortunately, we don't have Marty with us this week. You're just going to get Bruce and I tomorrow to round out the week. For those of you who'd like to send us some feedback, please do so anytime by sending us an email at dynamicpodcast.protonmail.com. Also, do you like the podcast you're listening to? We do love having you as a listener, and we would ask you to pass this along to five friends. Do you know someone you're trying to wake up and get them to think on their own? We would appreciate it very much if you would send them our direction. Thank you for being here this evening, Bruce. Thank you to all of the listeners. Everyone have a great evening. Bye.